Hello and welcome to this special edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. In August 2011, 600,000 young people arrived in Madrid, Spain for the 26th World Youth Day. The event was started by Pope John Paul II in 1984 and has become the largest Catholic gathering in the world. Salt and Light was there broadcasting throughout the week, and you can visit our special website, worldyouthdaycentral.org, wydcentral.org. All our coverage is there, as is a ton of other stuff. And in case you missed what happened in Madrid last month, or to learn about the fruits and legacy of this World Youth Day, here now is our Madrid 11 wrap-up show. Day Central. This is our special Madrid 11 wrap-up. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. And I'm Father Chris Valca, and we're joined by Sheridan Aguilar and Father Tom Rosica. Great to have you both. Thank you. It's been quite the week. Um, in case you're joining us now, you haven't had a chance to see uh, the events of the week right from the beginning, or, um, or you've missed some of the events. To, today, right now, is the opportunity to, to uh, remember, to review, and to reflect. So there's a lot going to come in the next hour. So uh, don't change the channel and stay tuned. He is known for his belief in the power of young people to build a civilization of love. He was beatified on May 1st, 2011. Meet Blessed John Paul II, your World Youth Day Saint. Blessed John Paul II, pray for us. Now, World Youth Day begins um, not just when the pilgrims arrive, but even sometimes months before, sometimes years before, as pilgrims start preparing. So, Father Tom, perhaps since you've been involved in so many World Youth Days, why, why is the preparation so important to World Youth Day? In many ways, it's what happens before World Youth Day and what happens afterwards, mm -hmm. which is the most important aspect. The World Youth Day itself is like the cherry on the top of a cake, which comes at the end of a long meal, and which causes hunger for the next meal. <laughs> and so amazing. if you look at it as a long process, as a catechetical process, yeah. the days in Spain or Madrid or Cologne or Sydney or wherever are simply the culmination of a long process of preparation and a launching pad to some new ideas, some new ways of living, and some new ways of commitment. And that preparation <coughs> is not just uh, up, up to the whim of the, the youth leaders? Is it something that is directed from, let's say, the, the Pope's message for World Youth Day or, or anything that comes from the Vatican? I think it's important to situate the World Youth Day into what I call the Jubilee Method. Mm. Back in 1994, Pope John Paul II set out the, the most significant, the boldest catechetical process for the Church when he wrote the pastoral letter, or the apostolic letter, called Tertio Millenio Adveniente. And what he did was spell out in that letter a six-year process of preparing for the Great Jubilee. Never before has there been such an intensive process of preparation for a celebration. So if you kind of want to have a microcosm of the Jubilee, in fact, the emblematic symbol of the Jubilee year was the World Youth Day in August of 2000. Right. Look at it as a process. There's the Pope writes a letter. You excuse my voice, by the way. Yes, I've been screaming "Viva el Papa" too much this week and saying <laughs> and not es, es la juventud del Papa," yes. and now I have no voice. You yes, know. this is not because I'm spoken like this. But I think if if you see this as a process, the Pope writes a letter 
to announce the big theme of the World Youth Day. Mm -hmm. So in the case of Madrid, three years ago, a letter was written, and it sort of sounds the, the music. It's the overture. If you think of a play or a music, think of the sound of music, for example, and you hear in the overture the strains of mm -hmm. all of the great themes and the songs that are going to come up through the film. Mm -hmm. And this is what that letter does, and it really is the pastoral plan, if you want to use it in North American terminology, the catechetical process, if you want to be a little theological, mm -hmm. or it's a methodology, if you want to be really scientific, of how to approach this World Youth Day. Right. For those who are going to come to the city, but also for those who are going to celebrate this back home. Right. Now, Sheridan, this is your first World Youth Day, so yes. how, did, how did you prepare? Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, I was uh, participating in uh, Eucharistic Adoration, praying the Rosary. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, connecting with the pilgrims that were going to be going and just hearing what they've been doing. So uh, it's been uh, a great uh, part of just reflecting and reading the Pope's letters uh, and uh, all of the other documents around it has just been so um, enriching. There's yeah. a lot of community yeah. building that happens, too. I mean, among the pilgrims, I know the ones that were in uh, the area where I live, uh, you know, they're, they're doing fundraising. The people of the parish are trying to help support them. And, and so it's not just about the pilgrim. As you say, Father Tom, in the beginning, we're at the end. It's not about the pilgrim themselves, but it really is the communities from which they come and the communities to which they will return. Um, because there are, I've already asked, I've, for example, when, when the uh, pilgrims from my local parish, I said, look, be ready to be able to, to come up at the first Mass, we're all back together, and you'll give kind of a longer announcement uh, and mm -hmm. share with the people, you know, at that Mass mm -hmm. when they come back home, um, you know, what you've learned. And so the, the, the communities really are a big part of supporting these pilgrims, mm -hmm. both before and after the World Youth Days themselves. In fact, as we, as we were preparing uh, at Salt and Light, and our preparation is a little different. Yeah. Um, we were receiving messages from different groups from Montreal all the way to Vancouver uh, as they were preparing. And in fact, you shared and had a chance to visit with the group from Toronto, and she pre you prepared this, uh, this little report. I think the thing I'm looking most forward to is seeing all of the different fruits of the Holy Spirit coming together to lead these young people closer to Christ. I'm really looking forward to the energy and the enthusiasm. My biggest excitement going into this year's World Youth Day is to bring that energy. <laughs> it's good to have that feeling that you're sharing the same faith with millions of people around the world. Thank you for coming today. This is our final World Youth Day session. Traveling so many kilometers away from home to a foreign country and still feeling at home is something that I value most about my faith. The goal of the pilgrimage is to encounter Christ. But you know, people may think, I gotta go here, I gotta go there to find the Lord. And someone said, you know, if you haven't found God at home, you're not gonna find God in Rome. And one of the ways I've been preparing for World Youth Day is praying the rosary. I've also been making rosaries while praying so that I can distribute them to my international friends. Uh, I've been doing quite a bit to prepare actually. Um, over the last year, I've tried to take some Spanish classes. I've failed miserably. Now in terms of preparations, I've got to confess, I haven't prepared too much. Um, just trying to get spiritually into the, into the frame of mind, like going to daily mass. And as a seminarian, I'm required to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. And uh, communal prayer is very important when you go on pilgrimage. So one of the things we're going to try to do is pray morning prayer and evening prayer together as a community. You know, trying to meet as many new people as I can, because going to World Youth Day, it will be an experience that 
you know, it'll, it'll just be overwhelming. And uh, it's going to be a really fun experience. We're going to sing some hymns and we're going to have a good time. You know, it's not just about the, the preparation that happens in your own home country, but actually when, we, when those pilgrims arrive here in Spain, in fact, there is additional, additional preparation that happens mm -hmm. because of the days in the diocese mm -hmm. that so many different um, groups participate in. Um, so many of the different um, pilgrims, once they arrived here in Spain, they, they come and they go into different cities um, and they stay within their own diocese and start to prepare for the arrival in Madrid itself for the World Youth Day. And this is an aspect that sometimes gets lost because all the media begins covering either on yeah. the Tuesday or they don't even, they start when the Holy Father arrives, but the days in the diocese are just as important. Yeah, we really heard good reports too. I know the pilgrims that experienced the days in the diocese here in, in this World Youth Day uh, they had a lot to say, I'm sure, Sheridan, Father Tom, you probably yeah. heard things yeah. as well. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the days in the diocese because it was an idea that started with the World Youth Day in Paris. And it was very, uh, very quiet at that mm -hmm. time because Rome, the Vatican, had said World Youth Day takes place in the whole city in Paris. And yet the French bishops wanted young people to have an experience of visiting the local churches. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was a smashing success. Yeah, it's a great idea. And in Italy, it started a little bit more during the Jubilee year. <clears throat> so people got to go from north to south, all over Italy, and then converged on Rome. And I'd like to say, with a, bit <laughs> of, a little bit of pride, that the idea of the days of the diocese was crystallized, building on the idea of Paris and Rome. And what we were able to do in Canada with the days, of the diocese, days in the diocese was really a wonderful thing. And many, many people that were here in Madrid, and even in Cologne after our World Youth Day and in Australia, they came up to me and talked to me about Calgary and Kamloops and some places I didn't even know in right, Quebec, yeah, these little yeah. towns. And the locals, the people of those places, benefited tremendously. And that's what it does. It, 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 it involves people who wouldn't normally go to World Youth Day because all of a sudden you're hosting somebody mm -hmm. from uh, I don't know where, staying your f and I know so many people that had hosted uh, uh, people during World Youth Day in Toronto and that was their World Youth Day experience. So they might say, well, I didn't really go to World Youth Day, but I hosted pilgrims. And so I know so many, so and I know did. many people that they were the parents hosted. They had young children, and they hosted. They, uh, you know, they hosted pilgrims for the days and diocese in their own homes. And now those children are coming to World Youth Days because they witnessed the pilgrims in their own homes. And so it creates these generations yeah. of pilgrims. Just this past year, I heard from two families in Canada who hosted foreigners when they came for World Youth Day, and they received wedding invitations. One family from Canada yeah. went to the wedding in Germany, <laughs> and the other family sent a wedding gift over to Poland yes. for the couple, the young person that stayed with them. So there's all kinds of bonds and uniting people together. Yes, here. absolutely. I was actually speaking with a group of Canadians that had spent some time in, um, in Spain here uh, during the Days of Diocese, and they had an incredible time. They said that uh, this little tiny uh, town had uh, waited up till 2 a.m. in the morning, because they had been so many delays getting yeah. there. And then they threw them a big party right. at 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And everybody was on the streets welcoming them. And then the next day, they, uh, they had all these speakers that they wanted to um, you know, uh, sort of introduce them into yeah. the city. And uh, they just did it again the next day. Yeah. And they had this huge uh, party in the park there. And they gave them all gifts. And everybody was uh, just so... Uh, 
overwhelmed by mm -hmm. the generosity and the hospitality of, of the Spanish. Yeah, that's what I heard. That. I mean, Spain yeah. really, they really showed their hospitality yeah. in, in the days in the diocese. And boy, can they show it. The only thing yes. I don't like in Spain, <laughs> this business about eating late at night. And too much, yeah, too We much. go to restaurants at 9 o'clock in the evening, they're still closed. <laughs> go up at 10.30. Yes. I remember coming to a dinner last year. Cardinal, the Cardinal of Madrid hosted us for a dinner, the delegates. We started at 11 o'clock at yes. night in the city hall. I fell asleep at midnight at the table. <laughs> I, I got to say, Father Tom, I, I have to agree. The, one of the, my experiences this World Youth Day as we're wrapping up is I am really looking forward to more than four hours of sleep at a time because <laughs> we've been getting up very early to be prepared for all our broadcasts and coverage. Here, There's I nobody that sleeps sleep. here because we've been missing on the siesta part, though. That is yes. really, we haven't been able to fully embrace. So I would like to, tomorrow and the, the, the two days I have left, I want to embrace fully the Spanish culture and, inc and incorporate siesta. To Wake up late, <laughs> breakfast at eleven, lunch at four, <laughs> dinner at uh, at midnight. Sometimes that's right. Um, um, I was going to say that that here in Spain, because of the Catholic, uh, I guess history tradition, that some uh, groups chose to not do days in the diocese, but they had the chance to visit some shrines that's right. uh, or or do the Camino de Compostela, which I think was also a very enriching experience for a lot of them. Yes. Um, days in the diocese ends. Sunday, Monday, sometimes pilgrims start arriving into the host city. So mm -hmm. Monday, and so, some groups were even arriving on Tuesday. And that's mm -hmm. when we, and we had already been here for a couple yeah. of days. So that's when sort of we started seeing uh, and feeling Lots the excitement. Lots of people come in. I know, and, Sheridan, yeah. you went to the airport on, yes. on the Monday. Yes. What was that like? I, it was amazing because uh, there was just a, an army of volunteers to welcome them. <laughs> yes. And uh, just seeing everyone streaming in, all of these flights from all over the world, and uh, everybody's so excited. You know, they've all had these uh, long, arduous journeys to, to get there. And yet, the minute they got there, um, you know, welcomed by the volunteers, and you could see the, the excitement was there. And uh, everybody was just so um, responsive <coughs> to, to, like, it, meeting each other immediately. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, where are you from? What are you doing? And uh, so it was just a fantastic uh, experience of um, something beginning and, and a sense of that universality of the church. Everybody's coming together. You know, there's a witness value of all of this, too. It's not just an event or the effectiveness of a way of getting people to a country, but imagine what the outsiders are seeing with all of this. Yeah. And I've heard many, many testimonies in the different cities, but here this week, for example, I had one hour off the other day, so I went to the barber, snuck in the barber, want to see a Spanish barber. Three Muslims from Morocco are the barbers. So one's cutting my hair, the other one saw me dressed as I was with my badge on. He's, you're with the Pope and the kids. I said, yes. And they were shaking their heads. I said, what's wrong? They said, your religion must have really good stories to bring this many people together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we started talking about all of that. One of the guys said, I got three kids. Could my kids participate in something like this? Mm -hmm. The people in our hotel, the, the women every day that are cleaning in the hotel or whatever, waiting. That, how was it? What's it like? We're watching everything on TV. Yeah. This is, why are the kids so well behaved? Mm -hmm. So it's a very powerful witness Wait. that's being given. Cardinal Pell and his catechesis with the um, with the students here, the, the young people here, had talked about it in a time that we know today when so many people are moving across the planet because of war and famine and disease, this is the largest reason for young people um, and actually one of the largest movements of young people on the planet, um, especially for peaceful reasons. And, and, mm -hmm. and, I, and I never really considered just the the comparison when you talk about why do people move from one place to another and and most of the times it's as a result of fleeing from something um, more than it is to going it's a lovely image because at the opening of world youth day in rome in 2000 it was august the 15th 2000 
in St. Peter's Square. We were there kind of watching all this, saying we're going to do this in a couple of years. Yeah. Cardinal Stafford gave the welcoming address to, to Pope John Paul II. I will never forget Stafford's words. He said, Your Holiness, in Europe, in olden times, when people saw these vast movements of young people moving across, they bolted their doors and their windows because they were crusaders and revolutionaries coming to destroy. But when they see the generation of John Paul II coming, they fling open their doors and their windows to let in this life. I thought that was a very powerful image. Mm -hmm. Now, um, <coughs> one of the things that happens also at the beginning, because the official events haven't begun, is that uh, countries will have national gatherings. Yes. Um, and I know you're smiling because mm. this was the first time yes. that Canada actually hosted a national gathering. So I would like you to, to share your thoughts. Well, you know, when I was doing us. World Youth Day in Canada and I saw these national gatherings taking place, I think the biggest one was the Italians. They're always the oh, biggest always, and, yeah. and the loudest. Um, <laughs> I watched all this phenomenon and, and, and joined in several of them. Several countries invited me to be present. And then in Cologne, I saw the same thing. And Canadians started asking, why not us? What about us? So what happened this year was rather extraordinary, and there's a couple reasons why this happened. The executive of the Canadian Conference of Bishops and the vast majority of, of bishops of our country are not only on board with World Youth Day, I do believe that World Youth Day is now in their DNA. Mm. The General Secretary of the World Youth Day, uh, of the, uh, I should say, <laughs> the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, yeah. is Monsignor Patrick Powers, yeah. who is a class act and a gem to be with. Monsignor Powers knows about the power of this. He hosted the French, all of France, I think, in Ottawa mm -hmm. in 2002. And so when the request came forward from so many groups, and when Monsignor Powers and the executive named me as the World Youth Day coordinator for this summer in Madrid, I said, why not? Now is the time to do it. So it was a yeah. coming together. And then we had a third element, most surprising, was the assistance and the presence of the Canadian Embassy. The Canadian Embassy in Spain came to me even before I came to Madrid last year and said, we know about this, we want to help, let's do something. Mm -hmm. And then the cream on the cake, the icing on the cake, was the Knights of Columbus. The Knights came to me and they said, let's work together and let's do the Palacio de Deportes. Mm -hmm. right. We need an English-speaking site. After all, there wasn't a lot of English being spoken here in the preparatory period. Mm -hmm. And so we were given this huge arena, if you will, a stadium, covered and air-conditioned, yes. in the middle of downtown Madrid, we transform this into a massive site for the English-speaking world, mm. and thus the venue for the national gatherings. Yeah. And before we chose the date, we didn't know we were going to be the first public event right. of World yeah. Youth Day, yeah. Yeah. and it was Canada that had their first national event. Yeah, it was great. Now, something else that happens when, uh, I guess, to help us prepare is that there's a theme, and right. every World Youth Day has a scriptural theme. Um, and this one is no different. Every World Youth Day has a scriptural theme. This year's theme is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, planted and built up in Jesus Christ, firm in the faith. I think the theme of this year's World Youth Day is, is very appropriate for the young people of today because many times they're looking for uh, things to root their lives in. And so to see Christ and the faith as being an important area and necessity to sort of live their lives and to root themselves in that and to see how uh, that is a very important uh, dimension of the Christian life. The theme, Firm in the Faith, I hope recalls to the participants the importance of being grounded and who are we grounded in? That we must be built on the rock 
of Christ and in a personal relationship with Him. When we live with Him, we abide with Him. And when the young people and the bishops, together with the Holy Father, gather in Madrid, it's just an optimal occasion uh, to do that, to reaffirm uh, the great wonder of the church, the mystery of its Catholicity, people from every uh, language and tongue and nation coming together as the one church, the body of Christ. As the theme itself suggests, those putting down of roots are ultimately putting them down into the person of Jesus Christ. And to be nourished and strengthened by the love that comes from those roots into our lives and takes us over, uh, that's what, as the theme itself says, helps these young people to grow firm in their faith and to, to know the joy of being a follower of the Lord. And we've also been listening to Firmis in la Fe, this year's World Youth Day theme song, which also reflects the scriptural passage. In order for us to be firm in the faith, it's actually really difficult for us to do that unless we've, we've got some solid teaching. And, and a large part of World Youth Day isn't, yeah. in fact, the, the, the gatherings and the, and the papal mass we found that we just celebrated, but it's actually, it, it really has to do a lot more with the catechesis itself. Yeah. And I know we were talking with um, Bishop Paul Andre earlier in the week, and he had talked about how Madrid had really given very specific instructions about how this catechesis was going to take place, um, and that each, each part of this theme was going to be played out as an instructional element um, for the bishops. And the bishops, in fact, were, are, are a major component of this World Youth Day because um, they are the ones doing the catechesis themselves. World Youth Day has given the bishops back to young people and young people to the bishops. Mm -hmm. It's been an ingenious part of World Youth Day. If you look and see, step back and see what's happening here. The bishop is presented as a teacher, as a catechist. His primary role is to He's teach the teach. Word of God. You know, you think of the ordination of a bishop when the book is held opened above his head. Mm -hmm. It's the house of the Word of God. The bishop dwells in that house. He goes out every day to take the Word to the people and brings it back. And there's no better place to see that yeah. enfleshed than at a World Youth Day. Many bishops have told me after being at World Youth Days, when they've gone back home, remember a bishop telling me a couple of years ago, they call me, they want me to do a catechesis. Mm -hmm. I said, that means go and teach them, be with them. Where'd they get these ideas? You know, I said, it's at the World Youth Day that these things happen. Yeah. And it, it's created a wonderful rapport. It's an intergenerational thing, but it's mm -hmm. also, it's a religious event where it offers the bishop as a teacher and we are disciples. Yeah, and, and then the question and answers that come about is often very, very good. Sheridan, I know you were out in the yes. field a lot, but did you have a chance to be able to go to any of the catechesis I, sessions? I did, but I, you know, just uh, to, to follow up with that, um, I spoke to some Canadian pilgrims just after they come out of a catechesis session, and they said it was a really great opportunity to, to speak directly with the bishops. They said they had all these questions, and, and they, they loved the part where they could just you know, go right up there and ask him, you know, what's, why do we believe yeah. this? Why? Because sometimes there's yeah. a question answer yeah. portion. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and the thing is that how can you profess something if you don't understand it, if you don't feel that there's some sort of integrity to, to what's being said? And, and how does it relate to my everyday life? And, and this is such a great opportunity for people to, to become um, firmer in their faith, you know, to understand why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, and it's not just some sort of empty action. Too many at times. the Palacio, we had the uh, the big. We have during a World Youth Day, you have the smaller catechesis sessions yep. in the churches, depending on the size, and they can be very intimate settings. Our Canadian bishops who were catechists this year, we had five, 
These are bishops that are invited by the Pontifical Council for the Laity, the Vatican. Mm -hmm. And so we had two English bishops and three French-speaking bishops. The English-speaking bishops, Archbishop Michael Miller, who offered one of his catechesis here in the Palacio de Deportes, and I think there were about 14,000 people yeah. that day. Yeah. And the other days, Archbishop Miller was in smaller churches. Archbishop Richard Smith, the Archbishop of Edmonton, mm -hmm. was also another English-speaking catechist, and he was in three parishes. From the French side here in Canada, we had Bishop Lionel Gendron, we had Bishop Paul-André Durocher, and we had the Archbishop of Quebec, the Primate of Canada, Archbishop Gérald Lacroix. Yeah. And I spoke to all of them yesterday, and they were very, very happy with the catechesis moments. You know, because I think a lot of people, I mean, they just kind of, uh, they assume that this world, they, these pilgrims come back and they're on kind of this, this spiritual high that is reduced more to a feeling. But it's actually not that at all. These, these pilgrims are coming back really having learned something about their faith. And, and so there's, I mean, it isn't, if we go back to your, your kind of the cherry and the ice cream kind of analogy, this isn't a sugar high that these pilgrims no. are returning home with. This is, this is good nutrition. They actually have something that they really can share with the people back home when they return. And the fact that you see this concept, like you mentioned, of catechesis that is being implemented in Di uh, Richard Smith in Edmonton with nothing more beautiful, that's really a catechesis. Um, um, and in other dioceses or if there's a youth conference, there's a catechesis. And that's something that, that it's Pope John Paul II Very, started. very important. The bishop is the teacher of the Word of God. And the primary role, I repeat, is teaching and preaching the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Sadly, sometimes the bishop is forced to do so much administration. Yeah. Uh, several bishops also said to me, thank God for the young people who brought me out of the office. And yeah. that's a very important thing. Yep. I also really loved the fact that they had um, the personal gift of the Pope in the pilgrim backpack, UCAT. Right. And uh, I saw yes. a lot of pilgrims reading it. And it was just such a great um, compilation of in quotes, uh, pictures, which uh, is always a, um, a nice compliment. And then, of course, the catechism in a way that's very accessible. Uh, Speaking of UCAT, it was the Pope's gift to the young people. And I, I heard yesterday that it was the largest first edition publishing of any book in history. They yeah. printed one million yes. in the first printing. Yeah, really? We don't usually wow. do that with our, our books. No, we don't. But one million copies were printed in the first printing, and I'm sure that this will sell. This is going to catch, mm -hmm. and it will be selling now that people bring it home, and my brother wants it, my sister wants it, my yeah. friends want it, and yeah. parishes will take it. What is UCAT? We should probably say what you It's not about animals. Yeah, it's no, not no. cats. It's uh -huh. not. But this is a catechism, and you know, you being trendy and stuff. Yeah, so it's a yeah, catechism yeah. for young adults, for young people. Yeah. With the preface by none other than Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Yeah, and it's done in a very, uh, very useful yeah, it's, manner. It's got, I mean, along the along with the catechism, it's got all kinds of different quotes, quotes from the saints that are appropriate yeah. to that yeah. particular teaching. Yeah. All kinds of other references mm -hmm. and pictures and everything else. I'm, I, I had a chance to really glance through it just for a little bit, and I. I was like, okay, I'm going to use this. This has got a lot of great Well, and the fact that, that it was the gift from the Holy Father, and even though we try to tell ourselves that you know, young people are not here because of the Holy Father, but there is that, 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 connection. that connection. And so the Holy Father, when he's arriving on Thursday, the kind of energy changes. Um, the, the Holy Father did arrive on Thursday. Right. Um, and we're going to go to that very, very shortly. We're going to just take a quick break, so don't go anywhere. Blessed John Paul II was a profoundly humble and courageous man, full of life and in love with Jesus Christ. He had a great sense of humor, cultivated a deep prayer life, and endured long suffering. He is the founder of World Youth Days. Your World Youth Day Saint, Blessed John Paul II, pray for us. We're a few meters away from Puerta Alcalá. <laughs> 
that as you can see there are hundreds of thousands of pilgrims streaming to meet the Pope on their way to Plaza Cibeles where uh, the welcomings of the Pope will be held. I'm John from Ireland. I'm from Dublin. I'm Pope Benedict. A great Pope. The best Pope ever. Brilliant. That's all there is to it. We're here excited about Pope Benedict because we've learned a lot about his teachings. He's a really good theologian. We're really excited to represent Canada on the world scale. Can I say hi to Toronto? Hi! And we are here because we really like him and we're going to we want to be with him in, in all the things that he do. Because when he does something, it's like we are doing with him. As you can see, this is the Iraqi people. We are happy to see all these people uh, from all over the world. Uh, we just want to say hi to everybody in Iraq and other countries. And we want to salute Pope Benedictus. And everybody say hi. hi. We saw him in London when he came to visit London for the papal visit. And it was amazing. And like, so as the head of the church, it's just brilliant to see so many young people celebrating with him. So we're well excited for it. Well excited. Now, Sheridan, you we know what the people who you spoke to said, but I'm curious to know what that was like for you. I uh, I actually was completely overwhelmed. <laughs> I ran to go and see if I could get a glimpse of him, and I did, which was wonderful. Um, and uh, it was because. Uh, I've read all his stuff and I just admire him so much as a leader and as a person and uh, to see him, uh, to know that he's coming here for the youth and he's going to uh, be our shepherd uh, in this particular sense, is uh, it's beautiful. Did you get so a sense that something changed on Thursday? Definitely, definitely. People, the mood shifted and uh, things became a lot more sort of um, consolidated in mm -hmm. terms of uh, the pilgrimage aspect of it. Uh, you know, people are sort of gathering, but when Pope Benedict arrived, everybody knew it was on. Now, I have to say, actually, you're returning to the team. We were all actually at a restaurant at that moment, and that was one of my highlights, because you were literally bouncing up and down, yeah. along with so many other pilgrims in the restaurant that night. It was a lot of electricity, and it was I really enjoyed seeing your reaction, and, as well as so many and other pilgrims. I mean, the ceremony, I think it was a, a great show again the, of the, the, the of the Spanish culture, uh, Madrid with with the Andalusian horses, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the the uh, the symbolism of of the uh, the olive tree that was being planted, um, right. the balloons. I don't know if that's a Spanish. It was thing, a very. It was, it was a rally. Yes, yeah. it was a great welcome welcoming rally. Yeah, it, it was it was uh, a beautiful 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 ceremony. We 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 thought that people would be upset because of the road closures because. Again, traditionally, this does not happen in the middle of the city, as as the the Madrid committee decided to do. They they shut down major roads. This took place between two major squares, um, but it was it was phenomenal. Again, Sheridan, I mean, you were there. Yes, um, you know the the streets were jam packed. And one thing I really uh, loved about this particular uh, event was that everybody was so uh, con uh, concerned about each other, made sure that no one was pushing, and, and so um, you really got this sense of Christian charity uh, throughout it, and people were just singing and prayerful, uh, yeah. uh, constant um, jubilation. Yeah, and we really did, we really do see the, the transition start to happen, and we talked earlier about, you know, how the press would cover things, and, and then once the Holy Father arrives, you, you have a different kind of a sense. 
And then the other one that we always see is once the way of the cross happens, the Via yeah. Crucis, then you see another kind of a change of, of energy and a change of momentum yeah. that starts to happen. And I, I think that for me, as I watch the host city kind of be captivated by it's more than just the arrival of the Holy Father, but it really is all that he represents, and that is so brilliantly symbolized um, uh, in the meditations uh, of the cross. No, absolutely, and I think, you know, people think, oh yeah, young people, they're, they have this craze for the Pope, but then the same amount of people, actually, I think it was more, more. showed up the next night mm -hmm. for the way of the cross for some devotion that, that you might think that is dead, that young people are not interested in, but they flocked to it. We had thousands of, hundreds of thousands in Toronto and in Sydney, but I think that they had a million here. It was um, <coughs> certainly the three ways, the four ways of the cross that stand out the most for me of these World Youth Days. The one in Rome in 2000, I can still see the World Youth Day cross coming down the steps of the Araceli mm. and the, right around the Colosseum area. It was a very moving event. And we took the Stations of the Cross and went even deeper with that in Toronto that remains, I think, the most symbolic aspect of our World Youth Day, yeah. closing the major boulevard yeah. in the city of Toronto. Yeah. People still speak about it. And then, of course, what Sydney did was extraordinary. Not so much a procession, but having the different stations the at these historic yeah. places. I mean, the trial of Pontius Pilate, uh, of Jesus, at the Sydney Opera House, yeah. right. and having Jesus yeah, come down the steps and the crucifixion at Barangaru and seeing Jesus out there in the harbor on the barge yeah. and having the native people, the aboriginal mm -hmm. people involved. But what and happened here is it, it drew from the rich Spanish tradition. I mean, if any country specializes in Holy Week, it's Spain. <laughs> the images, the and, processions. And art. And yeah. these magnificent sculptures and, mm -hmm. and images of Jesus that came from all over the country, carried to Madrid, brought to Madrid by the confraternitas, these arch confraternities in the different parishes, mm -hmm. each one, you know, one of them they announced it takes 240 men to carry, right. another one 950 people, 94 people to carry. And what they did here, because of the street they decided to have this on, the Paseo de Recoletos, yep. it limited very, very much how many could actually see it. Mm -hmm. So hundreds of thousands were forced to watch this on large screens outside and catch a glimpse. Now we had an added privilege here at the Palacio de Deportes, in the afternoon, after we were deluged on Friday with requests, we decided to open the Palacio Friday night to those who wished to come and view the stations here. Mm -hmm. We had over 8,000 people in the Palacio, and this was the first time I realized how fast social, social yeah, networking yeah, yeah, works, because we sent out the messages, it was like a flash mob. Yeah. We're having a flash mob tonight for the Stations of the Cross. Mm -hmm. Sent out 10 emails in the afternoon, and 8,000 people showed up. Yeah, yeah, it was And it, we created an atmosphere inside. It was not the party atmosphere. Nope. And I did a half-hour teaching with them on the history of the Stations of the Cross. What struck me most, at the death of Jesus, at the station when Jesus died, mm -hmm. without saying it out loud in the microphone or anything in the Palacio, everyone fell to their knees. I had chills going through my body at that point. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really appreciate too was the different groupings of people. And in this world, you say they really have um, made a point, I think, of, mm -hmm. of recognizing the different sufferings that, that people go, f the, the young people themselves face all over the world, whether they be in Japan <coughs> or Haiti or suffering because of AIDS or because of war, you know, I mean, there's or unemployment, all these different people that have embraced their own cross, they were carrying the cross of Jesus very, in a very real way, 
um, during this Via Crucis. Yeah. The script for the stations this year was written by, by the sisters, sisters of the Cross, a cloistered group yeah, of sisters, yeah. whereas in Sydney it was written by a Jesuit priest involved in university ministry. Yes. And in Toronto we chose the John stations Paul. of John Pollum's. I remember the Holy Father even saying, commenting on watching it on TV in Toronto. He told me the next morning when I was yeah. with him, where did you get those actors? I said, Holy Father, they weren't <laughs> actors, they're young <laughs> they people. Young and the words, I said, you wrote them. Yeah. <laughs> we took yeah. your your stations yeah. from the Great yeah. Jubilee year. Now something else that happens at, at World Youth Days, and it's an important aspect, I mean, the, the cross is an important aspect, but this, this uh, the, the the aspect of reconciliation is important. Um, so there are confessions that happen throughout the city, but here in Madrid, they actually uh, 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 built what they call a confession yeah. park. Yeah. Um, and Sheridan, you were there. Yes, and in fact, 200, you yeah. 200 confessionals all the way down, and uh, just a huge site just dedicated to confession. Yeah, so Sheridan, Sheridan was there, and she prepared a little report for us. We're here at the Parque Retiro where the Festival of Forgiveness has been ongoing throughout the week. And as we know, confession is one of those beautiful sacraments where we really get to experience God's mercy and uh, you know, expose ourselves to more grace. So we decided to speak to some of the pilgrims in line here to see why they think confession is so important. It's really important to recognize where, when we sinned, to be able to receive Jesus better. I really think it's an important moment and I really want to enjoy it the most I can. Confession is very important. It helps you inside to reflect and to think yourself how you can improve your life and to help to the others to live better, I think. We need confession to clarify with ourselves before open to others. Confession is important because we're here at World Youth Day to reflect and uh, it's just a nice time to sort of be alone and really think about things. We all have our crosses that we bear so it's just um, a nice way to sort of lessen the load. You know when uh, when you have like like a lot of sins, uh, you cannot uh, have a, a real good life. You cannot uh, live in real peace. So it, I think it's very important just just to to tell your sins to to a priest in order to to live in peace. You know, just as you need to have a wash every day, you need to wash your soul. So if you want to be clean and beautiful inside, then you you really need confession. Imitate Blessed John Paul II by cultivating a love of the Eucharist and our Holy Mother Mary by spending time in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament and praying the Rosary. Be fearless in proclaiming the name of Jesus and His message of salvation for humanity. Respond to Christ's call to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Blessed John Paul II, pray for us. And in fact, on Saturday, the Pope himself actually heard confessions, uh, which really was a first as well. Um, and in fact, Saturday was really a busy day for a lot of people. The Holy Father um, had a lot of different places that he went to, um, and the pilgrims themselves began the, the great uh, procession uh, to Quattro Vientos um, that happens throughout the day on Saturday. And, and so there's a lot of different things that really happen in anticipation of, of the, the final concluding Mass. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so it was really, there was a lot there. The confessions with the Pope was quite a, an important piece. Pope Benedict, the, the organizers offered him three people from three different countries, and they had one on reserve. And the Holy Father told the organizers, 
we reserve the Blessed Sacrament. We don't reserve confession. So bring the fourth one. So all four people yeah, from different countries. Because he wanted more. He, he wanted, wanted to hear more. more. He said, I'm happy to stay here for an hour. Is that it? Yeah. And because of the timing. Now, is that gonna, do you think it's going to become a, a World ET tradition? I hope so. With Pope yeah. Benedict? I think that Pope John Paul II may have done this in the past when mm -hmm. he was in better health. Yeah. Certainly there's the, the lunch that the Holy Father has, and that was instituted by John Paul II, yeah. and Pope Benedict continued that here at the Nunciature. Now, Father Tom, do you know, was this the first time that was uh, there was a meeting specifically with young women's religious? Because that was something that the Holy Father did as well on Saturday. On but I didn't know if that was the first time. I know he had met with religious before, but I didn't know if it was only young women religious before. As far as I can tell, I was asked the question yesterday by the French newspapers, that this was the first time a specific meeting was held for young women, consecrated women, out at the monastery of El Escorial. Yeah. And he, there have been gatherings of young religious within the context of World Youth Days, I'm not sure that the Holy Father yeah. addressed those gatherings in the past. Well, but they were very successful, and they were, again, overbooked. Mm -hmm. There were thousands for that, and, and for the seminarians, and for the young professors. And, yeah, exactly. So he met with professors. Semin is this something that comes out of a desire that the Holy Father wants to meet with these specific groups? Pope Benedict is, first and foremost, a teacher. Mm -hmm. He's very much at home in the university environment. It never surprises me when he goes on pastoral visits. There's always a meeting with professors. Yeah. We're in a university setting. We can think of all the places that he's been to in many countries. And with religious, he's genuinely concerned with the future of the church and with vocations. Yeah. And so he spends a great deal of time encouraging young men and young women in their vocations. And I think it's also important for him to be energized. Mm -hmm. This is a consolation for him. He's a human yeah, being. When you absolutely. look out sometimes and you see the areas of drought, and see the areas of abundance in terms of vocations. Yeah. To see people from around the world who have chosen to follow Christ so publicly is, is remarkable. Now, the other big thing that happens is really what the pilgrims are doing, and that's preparing for um, the, the concluding Mass through the vigil. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. Sheridan, I'm interested in your thoughts because you, you, walked. you walked out yes. there, you did the walk, <laughs> yes, and then you were you out did. at the vigil. And so I'm interested you ran. in. You <laughs> I'm interested uh, in your your. <laughs> I'm interested in your thoughts on the walk out there and what that was like being with so many other people in route. Well, uh, you know, on the metro it was jam packed and we were all sweating because it was so hot and just with that many people in there, um, it's overwhelming. Now this this of course when I watched the I was at the vigil last night I got soaked too, and we had some theatrics provided by Heaven last night for the vigil. Yes. Reminded me very much of the World Youth Day in Toronto. With the with rain. That terrible electrical storm, except ours happened after the Pope left the stage. Yes. The Spaniards wanted it while he was on the stage. Yeah. And there were some moments of, uh, of concern, I should say. The sound system failed at one point. Pope Benedict's Zucchetto, Zucchetto flew, flew off, flew and it's off in and somebody's hands right now. Yeah, it disappeared. Uh, people around him were quite concerned. The umbrellas came out. There was a moment of uh, holy panic. We thought it was going to get canceled. Uh, there was <laughs> great concern, people running, and I got all the calls from our groups who were in distress, the Canadian groups. I went backstage, and, and I know even the security people were, um, were taking cover yeah. from the rain. Yeah, now Sheridan, you were there with yes. the crowd. What was that like? Um, it was actually very beautiful because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and no, beautiful. Oh, my God. It was. It was you beautiful. Me She's an optimist. The, re the reason, uh, because we, we had nothing and all the gear was getting wet, we were just completely uh, soaked. And uh, we had a couple of uh, Italian pilgrims at 
told us to get underneath their top, and I didn't realize that uh, close to 15 people could get underneath <laughs> one little <laughs> tiny piece of uh, material like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. everybody was so gracious, and it was very, it was fun as well. Uh, everybody was in it together, and, and we were just hoping that everything could get back online, and so we could proceed on with their vigil. And everything did get back yeah. online because I, th I believe an announcement was made. It was hot. You guys wanted water, so yes. now you got you your got water. It. Now can <laughs> you please everybody it, yeah. pray so that it stops? And it stopped. Yes. Just in time for adoration. For adoration. adoration. And the adoration was, uh, w at least on television, uh, it was amazing. But again, this is a good opportunity to say the culture that's been created through these events, the culture that's been established these are not hoodlums. These are not wild people. No. There's an internal discipline. Mm -hmm. There's a respect. I was stunned to see the number of people who fell on their knees praying in the midst of that storm, not knowing what's going to happen up on stage. Is yeah. the Pope going to lift off with the storm or whatever? <laughs> um, the, the bishops, you know, I saw some of them taking cover. It was very scary during the storm part. And the Pope himself but seemed to be influenced by the fact that they all stayed and prayed with he him. Was, it seemed to be affected as well. He was very, very moved by the fact that they stayed. Well, he told them, he said that your, your strength has been, uh, or your courage is stronger than the rain. Mm -hmm. um, and you have stood firm in the faith, so he was right. able to bring it right back to the Like theme. for us, you know, we, we also put one of the verses of our song into effect. We wanted to show yes. we stand against the storm yes. in our song for Toronto and we showed that. Yes. And here That's we're firm true. in the faith. When lightning hit and the, w the wind blew the roof off, we are firm in our faith. Well, yes. and let's not forget so. the heat that was before. Firm yes. in the faith in the heat, firm in the faith in the rain. I mean, all the these dust. different challenges, the dust. Yeah. That's right. So there was a lot of challenges out there. But the vigil is an important moment because it leads into a prayerful mood. Yes. And what's always very striking, Pope Benedict has instituted in Cologne and repeated in Sydney and now in adoration. Madrid, the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And he's a great teacher who loves silence. Mm -hmm. And so there were long pauses last night in the liturgy and this morning as well. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the silence. No. We shouldn't try to fill the silence with more noise. Sher Sheridan, you told me something last night when you finally did get back. Yes. Uh, you know, it just reminded me of this, um, you know, the prophet Isaiah, uh, Elijah. And, uh, you know, there was the storm and there were the, all these different... Uh, great signs, but God was in the silence. Yeah. And I just felt that when adoration began, uh, there was complete silence, the rain went away, and it was very prayerful, a moment of peace. And that's something only the Christ can give us. Yeah. And so it, it was very beautiful. So you, yeah. you felt God was not in the heat? No. God was <laughs> not in the storm? <laughs> he was with us all the time. But, uh, but God was in the silence. He really spoke and yeah. I felt uh, his peace in, in the silence. Absolutely. Now, yeah. um, most of the pilgrims, th as far as I understood, spend the night there. That's right. Um, there were about, we have the statistics, about 1.4 to 1.5 million people yeah. that were at the site. And remind, I remind you, the site was built for about 750 to 800,000 max. So we had a few extra guests. Yes. And then the Spanish authorities decided to close the site last night. Right. Everybody was in, would stay there. And the guests who weren't able to make it, the pilgrims that weren't able to make it, remained in Madrid. And a big stadium was opened at midnight. Right. So these young people could go to the stadium. There were several hundred thousand that didn't make it into the site. Mm -hmm. So then this morning, uh, no, nobody was allowed the people that were there last night were the only people that were if, allowed. If they had to leave last night, they were able to leave, but no new people were allowed in. Right. And then the, the World Youth Day continued, the liturgy continued, and then in Madrid there were several venues right. to accommodate those. I know several bishops 
who returned last night to meet their groups who weren't able to come out to the park, right. to the airport. So World Youth Day concludes traditionally with the closing mass or the final yes. mass that even though the vigil seems to be the most memorable <laughs> event, usually the mass is the most important event because it's the source Eucharist. and summit of our life. It's the Eucharist. Um, thoughts on how this liturgy was, was different or, or unique? There was the Sunday Eucharist. The Pope did a magnificent job with the homily. What better gospel reading could you have for this 21st yes. Sunday, I think yeah. it is the 21st Sunday of the 21st. year, than uh, Jesus at Caesarea Philippi with Peter, eliciting that profession of faith. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned before when we were doing the commentary, I find it very striking. What are these new places, these new Areopagi today where the Lord takes us to elicit our faith? Yeah. Oftentimes we think that we're going to make a profession of faith in a retreat house after a 30-day retreat or in a beautiful, quiet place. But the Lord takes us to these loud, noisy places and these places filled with people and with chaos at times. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' time, it was Caesarea Philippi, which was no retreat house in ancient Israel. Here, there's places like Cherry Creek Park and, and Randwick Racecourse in, in uh, Australia and Longchamp in Paris and Downsview Park. With all these people in the midst of all of that, who do you say that I am? Mm. And it's not just a head knowledge that we're asked, no. but it's the knowledge of the heart and to meet Jesus as a friend, which is the constant theme of this pontificate. A and it seems to be, a, again, a, a theme throughout the week that Jesus is a friend who comes out to encounter us, that we need to allow him to encounter us. And then once you've encountered him, you don't keep him yeah, for yourself. Sent forth. You're sent forth. You have to go out there, which is why people we... People have asked us, Pedro, what this object is that the po was behind the Pope. Oh, Some yes. Some people the, says, is this tree. a yellow and white mushroom that's opened up to the heavens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a lotus flower that somehow went wrong. But actually, <laughs> it's a tree with the roots inverted. The roots are going upward. Yeah. And I find that very symbolic because this whole theme of the World Youth Day, rooted, planted firmly in Christ, only when you're rooted in Christ can you grow upward yeah. and the branches come off of you. And I, you know, when I first saw the thing, I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it's an interesting... I said, it's not a fungo, it's not a mushroom, no. but this is a beautiful tree with the, the yeah. root. There was also some jet, some people saw some steam coming down. It wasn't steam. It was very wisely positioned above the Holy Father. <laughs> For the heat. Some, uh, it was holy air conditioning. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, uh, traditionally, again, one of the last things that happens with the closing liturgy, uh, there's an, uh, the, the Angelus is prayed and there's an Angelus address, and of course, the announcement is made. Now, the announcement of the next World Youth Day had been already revealed, um, but in case you missed it, this is the moment when uh, we found out where and when will be the next World Youth Day, and so this one was no different. Um, um, any thoughts on, uh, on, on, on the Rio announcement? On yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I certainly like the fact that though this next one is going to be a little bit faster, it's going to be in 2013, so there's not as much time, but that um, we actually were able to watch the passing of the cross um, here at the World Youth Day itself. Um, I was actually, ha I, I liked seeing that as part of actually the passing on, because in many respects, the real work now does begin. And um, because it's only two years, rather than waiting till Palm Sunday next year, see the, uh, when it would normally be handed over yes, to St. Peter's Square, yeah. here are the Brazilians going wild. This is a foretaste of what's going to happen in Rio, <laughs> and the Brazilians know how to celebrate. Absolutely, and the Holy Father seems there to be There you see a little screen, a stadium in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, where their, their brothers and sisters who could make it are also going wild. Mm -hmm. I think that was him just announcing the fact that it was, it was Rio. 
Rio de Janeiro in it. the summer of 2013. The dates have not yet been established. No, so please, those listening and watching, don't buy tickets yet. <laughs> Yeah, the Brazilians are just so ecstatic. I've been worth talking to them throughout the week and just hearing their thoughts and, and just generally they just are just so looking forward to welcoming the Universal Church to their, their to their home so they can celebrate together. Yeah, it and there's be great a good pastoral one. needs in Brazil because when the World Youth Day comes to a country, it's not because it's a nice tourist destination, mm -hmm. but the tremendous pastoral needs. I remember being with the bishops of Brazil at the Synod on the Word of God mm -hmm. and the big problem they're facing there is the plethora of sects. S-E-C-T-S, all of these religious groups that are coming up and taking Catholics away. Right. Catholics are fleeing in droves. And why? What's, yeah. the, what's the problem yeah. here? And so the presence of the World Youth Day, the, the convergence of young people from the world, the witness of so many young people of the Catholic faith will be an important gift for, for Brazil. Yeah. Well, and, and with that really is, is the official conclusion of, of World Youth Day. A lot of the pilgrims will go straight from Cuatro Vientos to an airplane or a bus ride or, or I yeah, don't But I'm <laughs> myself, I'm not really ready to start thinking about Rio yet. I'd like <laughs> yeah. to be able to enjoy all the things. And that's one of the things I would want the pilgrims to do as well is, is that they need to, I mean, I think all of us, it's, it's very tempting to be able to say, okay, we got to start thinking about Rio because it's two years. But in fact, there are great gifts that we've received through this World Youth Day. There's lots of, of seeds to be sown. Um, you know, in, in, the, in the coming years, in the coming months, not just in this country, but as the pilgrims go back home. And I certainly look forward to hearing more of the stories from all the pilgrims. I, cer I know I certainly will. Yeah, well, you will, yeah. Uh, certainly the at the university. And, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very good point to, to stress that the World Youth Day is not the tourist office of the Vatican or of the Roman Catholic Church for young adults. Mm. This is the catechetical office mm -hmm. that does involve some site visits. The World Youth Day offers us the pastoral plans, the onus of the World Youth Day, of developing it, of digesting it, unpacking it, is on bishops, mm -hmm. priests, and especially youth workers, pastoral workers, campus ministers, chaplains. And many times you hear people saying, I need a program, I've got to buy something, I'm, I'm going to buy this particular program from such and such a country. Yeah. But if you look at the catechesis, the messages of John Paul II and of Pope Benedict, the Vatican website has them all. But so does WYDcentral.org. We at Salt and Light had the great privilege this year, through young people and by young people, to put together a comprehensive website mm -hmm. that involves all of the World Youth Days. The biblical themes are rich. The talks of the popes, both popes, are astounding. Mm -hmm. People say, John Paul said this in Toronto or in Paris? How did I not know about this? Yeah. So we take this time in between, this preparatory time, to digest the message, reflect on it, and come up with a personal plan for our lives. How do I put this into practice? How do I become salt and light in my life? How do I become rooted firmly in Christ? How do I become uh, a message of hope to my brothers and Absolutely. sisters? And this is the plan. Absolutely, and, and we're almost out of time, so perhaps that's a great way to end, uh, encouraging everybody to, to really let those seeds that have been planted uh, to grow and, and yeah. to continue watering them as we are, are open to listening to the next message that is going to build upon this one that's going to lead us to the because I think that there is also a progression from World Youth Day to World Youth Day. And, and the very fact that we're here I think a good note to end on is a note of gratitude and thanks. Absolutely. Uh, to whom, how can we ever say thank you enough? First of all our, our primary sponsor of Salt and Light Television, the Galliano family who mm -hmm. make all of this possible. And to them, and they were all watching everything we did. I got tons of emails. 
We thank our donors and benefactors across Canada, and I must name the Banga family in Saskatchewan, yep. farming family, who have been so generous to us. Their two kids caught the World Youth Day bug with us, worked with us 2002, and their mom and dad have been extraordinarily generous. The Knights of Columbus, our staff that remain back home. We were at World Youth Day. They lived World Youth Day 24 hours a day because of the time We're difference. Working hard yet. So to Yeroon and to Gita and the whole crew back at home, we're extremely grateful. But also, in order for us to continue our presence at future World Youth Days, at International Eucharistic Congresses in Dublin, at so many events across our country and elsewhere, we cannot do this without you. Please support Salt and Light Television, as so many Canadians have. You've sent me enough messages this week that it'll take me two weeks to even respond with a cursory thank you, and I will. Please continue to support us and to make this beauty burn bright. Salt and Light Television was born on the wings of World Youth Day. It is a living witness to the World Youth Day that we had in Canada and a tribute and legacy of blessed Pope John Paul II, the father of World Youth Day. Yes. And I also want to um, uh, thank and acknowledge our crew because you might see <sighs> Father Chris and I, Sheridan, us on, on TV, but there's a whole crew behind the scenes, Javier and Danielle and David LaRosse and Wally and the several volunteers, David Diaz, who uh, a, a friend of ours from, from Spain. Who former intern, former World We would day. not have been able to do anything without him. Okay. Uh, we received a lot of compliments on our set, and this furniture, this set, would not have been possible without the assistance of Father Jim Phelan and the uh, Family, Cross, family, family Rosary International and a gentleman by the name of Don Stack, who went with us, picked the furniture for us, and uh, <laughs> helped, helped pay for it. So thank you very much for, for all that you've done to support us. Um, thank you, Father Tom, for being with us here right now, but also for being with us. <laughs> and Sheridan, it's been great working with you. Thank you oh, for helping thank us out. Thank you so much. And those of you watching, what World Youth Day offers, what Salt and Light offers, is merely a small reflection of the wonderful work of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, their trust and hope in us, mm -hmm. and the wonderful collaboration we share. So to the bishops of Canada, 24 of whom were present here, Thank you very much. And thank, thank you for being with us. This is going to be it. This has been World Youth Day Central Special Madrid 11 Wrap-Up. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Father Chris Valka. Adios.